Hi, this is Denny Luce, the host and creator of Tap to Craft Podcast. I want to thank you for trying out our podcast, and I wanted to let you know the show has grown quite a bit over the years. The first two episodes are a bit rough, as I was recording alone and decided a more scripted dialogue was easier to overcome the awkwardness of talking to myself. Starting in episode three, I asked a friend to join me on this adventure, and the show really began to evolve. I encourage you to find an episode title that interests you and start there to see what the show has become over time. Then you are more than welcome to come back and try the first two episodes just for a laugh and learn a bit more about my craft beer journey. Thanks again and cheers. Welcome to Tap the Craft, an informational podcast about craft beer targeting the everyday beer drinker. My name is Denny Luce, and I'm a craft beer enthusiast, meaning I enjoy drinking and learning about craft beer. Tap the Craft is a podcast focused on talking about the craft beer hobby in layman's terms, not elitist speak. Entry into craft beer should be an enjoyable experience, so I want to help you learn about craft beer, so you too can become a craft beer enthusiast. So whether you are well experienced or new to craft beer, there should be something for you. I am not an expert on a topic and I'm not a brewer. I will surely misspeak on occasion and I encourage our listeners to write into the show and provide your experiences and knowledge. I enjoy drinking with friends and carrying on conversations. So from time to time, I will invite my friends to join in as co-hosts to share their insight on the topics. If you would like to join me on the conversation and co-host on an episode, just contact me and we'll see if we can make it happen. This is episode two, recorded on August 10th, 2014, and in this episode, we have a number of beer reviews. We learn about the term nose in relation to beer tasting. I'll add a bit more background on my craft beer journey, as well as some craft beer industry news. Well, it looks like it's happy hour, and a craft beer show wouldn't be much of a show if we didn't drink some beer. So let's pop the top, or if you prefer, pull the tap, and see what's flowing into my glass tonight. I am partaking in drinking one of my go-to summer lagers from a local brewery, Payette Brewing, here in Boise, Idaho, called the North Fork Lager. A great and easy drinking American Pale Lager that falls just below 4.5% and has fantastic, although light, flavor. I find myself going through a six-pack of these more often than I should admit. It's time for the Brew Buzz. The Brew Buzz is the meat of the show. Devoted to discussing various beer-related topics, from reviews, to commonly used terms, to explanations of beer styles, to brewery spotlights, and even beer drinking accessories. You will often see me combine a few of these elements into a single discussion point to provide a more complete understanding of the topic. This week, we are starting off with our Beer Speak 101 segment. If you're going to walk the walk, then it's time to learn to talk the talk. Let's talk about what it means when we characterize a beer by the term nose. 
The nose is a term for describing the aroma or bouquet of a beer. Basically, it's what you smell when you put your nose up to the rim of the glass. Notice I said glass. You always want to drink your craft beer from some kind of glassware. Why, you may ask? And now I'm going to go a little bit off topic for a minute to provide the best advice I can give to someone starting off in the craft beer hobby. When a beer is opened and poured from its container, it changes slightly due to the release of carbon dioxide and exposure to the atmosphere. The beer is aerating as the bubbles rise from the bottom of the glass to the top. The head is being formed and is used to help trap the fragrant release of carbonation, providing a, a bolder taste and aroma to the beer. These changes do not only alter the flavor of the beer, but also stimulates the brain through your eyes, seeing the rich color palette of the freshly poured beer, and your nose, taking in the aroma, which in turn builds up the anticipation for that first sip. While in a bottle or can, these external elements are not as, as exposed. The bubbles rise, but typically escape out of the top without ever reaching your nose. No head to keep the flavors in, and the last thing you want in your bottle is a big head. When you drink from a glass, you lift the large, open-rimmed cup to your lips. As you drink, your nose is right there, in the thick of the aroma, which enhances the entire flavor of the beer. This is the best way to get the most out of your quality craft or microbrew purchase. Also, contrary to popular belief, an ice-cold beer is not the best way to enjoy quality craft beer. Colder beer numbs the palate, which uh, might be a good thing for most domestic offerings, and dulls the taste. If you pour it into a glass, the beer warms up quicker, and in a few minutes, you will have a great beer drinking experience. Now back to the nose. The nose, or aromas, can come in many different categories, ranging from malty to nutty, fruity to spicy, toffee to flowery, and many more. There is no science to describing the aroma. Just provide a description of what you smell. We all interpret odors differently, and unless you hone your skills to mimic those of the Beer Judge Certification Program, you are free to have your own opinion. Now for some commonly used descriptors to describe the nose. Biscuity. A beer descriptor often associated with malt flavor. It is a sense of yeasty or bread dough aroma. Kind of like sticking your nose into a bowl of freshly made biscuit dough. Boozy, an exaggerated alcohol aroma, commonly associated with high-gravity beers like barley wines and imperial offerings. Burnt, having an aroma of smoke or burnt wood. This is not necessarily a positive trait. Caramel, having aromas of caramel, browned or burnt sugar and toffee. Chocolatey, used to describe rich brown beers such as porters and stouts. It describes the aromas associated with chocolate or dark malts. Citrus, a beer with the aromas and flavors from the citrus family of fruits such as grapefruit, orange, lemon, etc. These notes are usually derived from the hops. Clovey, an aroma associated with German wheat beers that give the perception of clove spice. It is caused by the yeast creation of esters and is due to the brewer's choice of yeast strain, often found in wild yeast. Coffee, having a roasty aroma of coffee, roasty without being burnt. Dirty, a beer with off flavors and aromas that are most likely a result 
from poor hygiene during the fermentation or packaging process, and you don't want a dirty beer. Earthy, a beer with aromas reminiscent of earth or soil, such as the things associated with a forest floor. To me, earthy seems like it was filtered through a sweaty gym sock and is one of my least favorite characteristics. Estery, aromas of yeast esters from fermentation, often fruity, like that from peach, apple, pear, or passion fruit. Flowery, aromas of fresh flowers, often from hops or a combination of hops and yeast esters. Fruity, the high perception of fruit characteristics, such as in pineapple, apricot, banana, peach, pear, apple, mango, prickly pear, nectarine, raisins, currant, plum, and dates, prunes, figs, blackberry, blueberry, and strawberries. Grapefruit, aromas of grapefruit and citrus, hop-derived and gives that sense of sour, acidic, bitter grapefruit. Grassy, a term used to describe a beer with grass smells, ranging from freshly mowed lawn grass to hay, alfalfa straw, or even open fields. Peppery, a beer with the aromas reminiscent of the pepper family of plants such as peppercorn. Resinous, aromas of resin such as from cedar, pine, and spruce sap. Skunky, aromas reminding you of a skunk caused when a beer has been light struck, which is a tasting term for a beer that has had overexposure to light, causing a skunky type aroma and flavor. And you don't want your beer to be skunky. Smoky, a beer exhibiting the aromas of various types of smoke, either from smoked malt or from roasted malts, or even toasty smoke derived from oak influences. Spicy, a beer with aromas reminiscent of various spices. This can be a characteristic of the yeast strain, but many spicy notes can come from the hop influences, and even by using spices in the beer. Toffee, aromas of caramel and brown sugar, like almond roca without the almonds. Vegetal, a beer with aromas reminiscent of vegetation, either cooked or raw, such as cooked greens, or cooked cabbage, parsnip, or celery. Woody, used to describe the woodsy aroma of a beer that has been treated with oak or other wood. Yeasty, often used to describe a yeast noticeable aroma, can be also described as somewhat biscuity, bready, or a fresh yeast. So these are just a few of the different types of aroma that you can classify when you are describing the nose of a beer. Check it out. These are websites, podcasts, publications, and applications and such you might find useful in your craft beer journey. This episode, I want to talk about the 99 Balls of Beer Journals by 33 Books Company. This is a set of three journals for craft beer enthusiasts and homebrewers. This set of many journals is ideal for jotting down personal tasting and brewing notes, and each journal is small enough to fit in the back pocket and to take to the brew pub. Each of these three journals contains space to jot down your thoughts on 33 beers with prompts for important notes like the brewer, appearance, and aroma, plus a flavor wheel that gives you a visual snapshot of every beer you taste. You can find it on Amazon for just over $10 and is a great tool for remembering the beers you must enjoy. I have personal experience with these journals. I received this set for Christmas, this last Christmas from my stepmother, who knows that I love craft beer. 
I've started using them just this past month to start to log in more detail some of the beers that I'm enjoying. Untapped is a great utility to keep track of the beers, but really there's just not enough area to accurately describe the beer you're trying. So these journals really do provide a good resource for you to log your beers that you've had, rate them, and take notes exactly on what you liked and disliked. So next time you see the beer, you'll know if it's one that you enjoyed or not. Who are you? In this section, we'll dive into the men behind the mics, providing a little background on how we got started in the craft beer movement and what drives us to continue pursuing this hobby. I will provide nuggets of information each week on myself, and we will go into interview mode for any of my guest hosts. So for this episode, I want to go back a couple decades, just to after I was first exposed to craft beer, and explain my progression into various craft beer styles. Needless to say, after I was exposed to great tasting beer, my beer budget increased, and I mainly drank craft beer, and supplemented it with some macro craft like Henry's Dark Ale, when my budget was low. Move forward a few years, and the hop craze started in small batches. One of my first hoppy beers was the 10th anniversary Special Pale Ale from Full Sail Brewing. It was a hopped-up pale ale brewed to celebrate the 10th anniversary of their independent employee-owned brewery. This beer at the time was the most hoppy beer I had ever tried. At that moment, I became a hophead and for years searched out only hopped-up beers. Fast forward a few more years to 2002. I pretty much only drank IPAs for five years straight. None of the other beer styles, besides stouts and porters, satisfied my hop-warped palate. I found a brown ale from my favorite Idaho brewery, Grand Teton Brewing, called Bitch Creek Extra Special Brown. This beer has the great brown ale malt characteristics as well as a very pleasant bitter finish. It was the first brown ale I had drank in years and I loved it. At that time I really wasn't feeling the nut brown ale thing. They just seemed too sweet for my liking. I also started drinking red ales and this is when I found my favorite all-time brewery, Lagunitas. I was walking down the beer aisle at my local grocers looking to pick up my usual six-pack of Bridgeport IPA. It just so happens they were all out of my go-to IPA, so I glance at the other selections. Out of the corner of my eye, I see a six-pack with an image of the spotted dog Petey from the old-time TV show, The Little Rascals, with a big black censored label across the name of the beer. I studied the packaging and saw it was a red ale and took the chance. Hell, I couldn't even pronounce the name of the brewery, so I was really going out on a limb with this beer selection. I took it home, and right away, my wife loved the packaging. Wife approval in your hobby is very helpful. She also could not figure out how to pronounce the name. By the way, it was at least two years before I learned to say the name correctly. I poured the beer into a glass and took a big sniff off the head, and right away I liked what I smelled. I took a sip and bam, everything I'd like about a red ale. Malty front, nice hot bitter finish. I had rolled the dice and I came out a winner. At first this was the only beer in my area from Lagunitas. But a few months later we got the standard IPA. We got 22 ounce bottles of the Maximus IPA along with 
all their seasonal offerings. I pretty much bought everything they brewed and loved it. Lagunitas quickly became my all-time favorite brewery. Stay tuned to episodes to come when I talk about my visit to Lagunitas Brewing in Petaluma, California this summer. Well, that explains a little about my introduction to IPA beers and how it took over my life for several years. In the next Who Are You section, I will talk about how I broadened my style taste and learned to love a style I once hated. Now it's time for Beers on the Tab. A few beers that I have drank or purchased since our last episode. The first one I want to talk about, just real briefly, is the Golden Drake by Brewers Van Steenberg, a Belgian brewery. This is a Belgian triple or also known as a Belgian strong dark ale coming in at 10.5%. I had never had this beer before. First time. I was shocked at how good this beer was. And I love Belgian ales. But I had never had something at such a strong ABV, alcohol by volume, with such great flavors. A lot of a lot of dark fruit flavors, maybe some, you know, figs, uh, some plums, and some other flavors like that, that just overtook my, my palate and I just fell in love with it. Uh, I recommend anyone who has a chance to try it, that it really enjoys a good, strong Belgian ale, go ahead and get the Golden Drake. The next I'll go into a, brew, a beer review. And actually, I have three beer reviews for you today. Three of the ones that I had uh, talked about that I purchased in our last episode. The first one I want to talk about is called Beer Number no. 2, Cynical CDA from Tin Barrel Brewing Company out of Bend, Oregon. The style of this beer is Cascadian Dark Ale, or also known as a Black IPA or even an India Black Ale. This is a fairly new style, consisting of a Northwest style IPA hop profile and dark coloring from the use of dark malt. Typically does not take on the bold and robust malted malt flavor, just a coloring. The hop profile is consistent with citrus and floral hop aroma and flavor, as well as resinous piney hop characteristics. The, fret, the finish is often on the drier side due to the minimal use of lighter caramel malts and highly attenuated yeast. Highly attenuated yeast cause a very active fermentation, eating most of the sugars and removing the sweetness. The alcohol by volume is 7.1%. IBUs, or international bittering units, weren't listed. The container I purchased was a 22-ounce bottle. It had a dark walnut, almost black, coloring. Very little or no light shines through it. It had a dense head with a coffee froth coloring and lacing that clung to the sides of the glass and stayed for the duration. The hop forward, very bitter front with an unpleasant sharpness. The body has medium to medium light bodied with a decent mouthfeel, missing some of the bolder mark characteristics of some CDAs, like the ones I like. It has a very bitter finish with grapefruit rind and hints of citrus. The piney hops are prominent throughout, the bitterness lingers for a few minutes, and the sharpness persists. I don't recommend this for newcomers to craft beer. The bitterness may scare newcomers away from craft beer altogether. Recommended glassware would say uh, any kind of regular shaker pint or non-pint glass. My rating, this one I'm going to rate forgettable. 
I didn't deny you ever drank it. And just the initial the additional notes on this is I have had this beer before, not under the number two beer label, but under the original Cynical CDA. And I had it on tap at 10 Barrel Brewing here in Boise. And you know what? Although it wasn't a great CDA when I had it on tap, it was still a decent CDA and way better than the bottle that I just had for this review. Another beer that I drank this week was Made in the Shade by Ninkasi Brewing from Eugene, Oregon. It's an IPA. It's, an, it's a decent, well-rounded IPA. It's one that I recommend anyone who is enjoys IPAs would give it a shot. I had a couple of those, and uh, it really is an enjoyable beer. The next beer review, the beer is named Unapologetic IPA. The brewery is Stone Brewing Company in collaboration with Beechwood and Heretic Brewing. They're located out of Orange County, California. The style is a double IPA, also known as an Imperial IPA. A double IPA is an IPA on steroids. It's going to have the same malt and hop profiles as an IPA, but just amped up to a higher level. The alcohol by volume is also higher, starting at around 7% and going up to 10% and higher. A normal IPA is usually between 6 and 8%. The alcohol by volume for this beer is 8.8%. IBUs were not noted. The container was a 22-ounce bottle poured into a shaker-style glass. It had a golden color with a creamy white head with lacing that clings to the glass. The nose was a very unusual nose with hints of floral hops and malty sweetness. It has a fruitiness to it but I can't place a type of fruit, although it was a very pleasant nose. With the first sip, you get a tropical fruit flavor with a bit of a sweetness from the malt. The body is full with a slight viscous mouthfeel, just right to complement the fruit and malt flavor. The finish is most surprising. It has a nice hoppy bitterness presence, but not overly done. In my opinion, it is well balanced. Others may dis disagree. The finish is on the drier side, but that is part of the magic of this beer. Fruity in the front and dry in the back end. Would I recommend this for newbies? This is a tough one. I think I would recommend it to people new to craft beer because it does have great unique flavor and bitterness without going to the extremes. I would say if you have a friend who has a bottle, definitely go and ask for a couple ounces to taste. Again, recommended glassware, any shaker or nonic pint. My rating, I highly recommend this beer. Add it to your wish list and find it as soon as possible. Some additional information found in the, in the bottle. In birthing a double IPA made bitter and fruity, care of a melange and a new experimental hops, which they list as Azica, Belma, and yet-to-be-named varieties from Washington's Yakima Valley, they aren't staying in a comfort zone. They're hitting a sweet spot in the name of all that's good delicious, hoppy, and forward-thinking to create an IPA that's both like and unlike anything they or you have ever tasted. Rife with essence of pine, resin, and fruits, both citrus and tropical, there's no need for apologies with this beer. All that's necessary is a yearning for hops, a sturdy constitution, and an empty glass. Fantastic beer. The next one I try, which I won't have a review this 
episode because I don't want to overdo the reviews and it's just an, it's another triple it's the other triple IPA from Needy Brewing called Simtra. And in this brewery I found out it's actually out of Auburn, California, which is where I was just at last month when I was doing a Northern California brewery tour and but their brewery just opened recently. This is the second triple IPA that I'd ever had. It comes in at 11.25%. Still, I was told by my buddy John that triple IPA is a real style. But it's difficult to find any information on triple IPA, so I'll have to do some more research on that. I don't want to ruin the review for maybe next week or next episode, but this Simtra triple IPA is absolutely fantastic. I rated it a perfect five in untap because of only two triple IPAs I've had it surpassed the previous one in almost every way so look forward to my review on the next episode my last review for this section is a beer from Full Sail Brewing called Farius Clara Hellas Lager and it's part of their Brewer Share collection Full Sail Brewing is, is an independently owned brewery out of Hood River, Oregon the style is a Munich Helles Lager. Helles is German for bright or light, referring to the coloring. It is typically a pale to golden clean lager with a touch more malty character from the pale Pils malt that are subdued somewhat with the noble hop varieties to make it balanced. The alcohol by volume is 6% and the IBUs, again international bittering units, are 25. I had a 22 ounce bottle and poured it into a shaker pint glass. But really, I think the recommended glass for this would be a Pilsner. It pours a pale honey color with lots of bubbles. Would look amazing in a Pilsner glass. Has a creamy white head with lacing that tries to cling to the glass but ultimately fails to last. The nose is strong of pale malt aromas with a touch of Pilsner malt. The front end is honey sweet with a good balance from the hops. Actually, I might even say a perfect balance. It has a light to medium body that is just right for this style. There is a touch of grassy finish, which is pleasant and not distracting, and has no lingering bitterness. Very well balanced with a drier finish that makes it very refreshing. Would I recommend this one for newbies? I definitely would recommend this beer for craft beer newbies. It is a beer that showcases the subtleness of flavors you can enjoy in a beer. The recommended glassware? I think Pilsner glass for sure, but a shaker and pint will do also. My rating? Again, highly recommend this beer. Add it to your wish list and go find it as soon as possible. Other additional information found in the bottle says it's a crystal clear blonde lager with a delicately hoppy flavor and clean dry finish, expertly brewed in small batches by our very own Francisco Farias Martinez. As you can tell, I really did enjoy that beer, and I recommend anyone who has an opportunity to pick up a bottle should do it and give it a shot. The last beer I'm going to talk about is uh, Red Nectar by Humboldt Brewing in California. Red Nectar is a red ale. Uh, I had this on tap at Brewer's Haven this week at my Payday Beer Club, and I will admit that I did not like it as much on tap this last time as I have enjoyed it in the bottle in previous tastings. So I don't know if it was something wrong with the tap or the keg or if it was just that maybe bottles taste better of this, but that was the last one. Things I purchased, not a lot. 
I've uh, only purchased three new beers that I haven't had before. Uh, the first one is from Pay Up Brewing, the same company I'm drinking tonight. Uh, it's called Fly Line Vienna Lager. Uh, it's a Vienna-style lager that I'm looking forward to seeing how it compares to their regular American lager that I drank the North Fork. I also got a couple more beers from Fort George Brewing. One of them is called the Quick Wit. It's a Belgian-esque style L. And the other one is an 1811 lager. Neither one do I have any tasting notes because I haven't had them, but hey, look forward to uh, my comments on the next episode. Let's talk about notable news in the craft beer industry. Here are a few noteworthy craft beer news articles from the BeerPulse.com website. The first article is going out to my all the baseball fans out there, especially my buddy Matt in Cincinnati, because this article is mainly about the ballpark he visits all the time. The article is called Analysis. Seattle Mariners and Cincinnati Reds offer the best beer in baseball. This is a Washington Post article. The Post article refers to the best beer in baseball. And it says, several years ago, craft beer started taking off at Cincinnati's Great American Ballpark. From 2011 to 2012, sales went up by 20%. And in 2012 to 13, they were up 47%. So when it came time to create a new hangout in a highly trafficked spot on the third base concourse, the ballpark went all in on craft-style beers. The new Reds Brewery District, an 84-foot-long bar with more than 50 taps, included more than 20 craft offerings when it opened this spring. There were local beers from Cincinnati brewers like Christian Moreland, Madtree, Blank Slate, 50 West, Rheingeist, Mount Carmel, and Rivertown. There were national options, options from well-regarded breweries like Founders, Bells, West Six, and Great Lakes. And the market exploded. Counting single-day offerings, the Cincinnati Red selection of distinct beers went from 42 to more than 130, the most in major league baseball according to the Washington Post analysis. Craft sales increased even more dramatically by 363%. The biggest selling beer at the brewery district is still Bud Light, not exactly a craft product, but stadium officials found that rather than taking away from existing beer sales, craft consumers were actually creating a new category. Quoted, it's not the same people that are drinking Bud Bud Light and Miller Light, says Don Dierig, District Manager for Delaware North Sports Service at Great American Ballpark. It's more of a younger demographic, and that's what the younger demographic is looking for. Things that aren't necessarily what they saw their parents drinking growing up, but more what's popular in the bars and restaurants they hang out in. While teams like the Reds are just discovering the craft beer market, the Seattle Mariners have long reveled in it. Located in the hops mad Pacific Northwest, one of the bastions for craft brewing, the Mariners have a beer program that would make many specialty beers jealous. About 70% of Safeco Field's 700 beer handles are devoted to good quality craft beer, according to Steve Dominguez, the general manager for Center Plate's operations at Safeco Field. Sales of craft-style products crush those of domestic-style mass-market beers by a ratio of 4 to 1. 
The stadium bought three cask engines this year to allow for cask-conditioned ales throughout the stadium, and they offer a hearty lift of, lift of 22-ounce craft bombers from breweries like Pyramid, Oscar Blues, No Lie, and Rogue. Next year, the stadium plans to introduce recommended beer and food pairings throughout the, its concession stands. Quoted, At the end of the day, we have to put out a product our guests want, Domingo said. They want quality. They want flavor. They know what they want, and they're going to get it. Wow. That is fantastic news. Fantastic news that craft beer is making such a huge difference in baseball stadiums. The next article is called Oregon In-State Beer Sales Continue to Grow, New Records Set in 2013. The Oregon's Brewer Guild announced today that Oregonians bought more than 500,000 barrels of beer produced in Oregon in 2013, setting a new record in Oregon craft beer history and leading the U.S. in percentage of dollars spent on craft beer. Oregon's breweries crafted a little more than 1.4 million barrels of beer during 2013, an 8% increase from previous year. Oregon employment figures continue to strengthen, with the state's brewing companies adding more than 200 jobs in 2013 and directly employing more than 6,600 people. Quoted, We live in a unique state where we have the largest number of breweries per capita and also the highest percentage of dollars spent on craft beer in the U.S., says Brian Bustin-Schon, Executive Director of the Oregon Brewers Guild. Oregon is also a destination for beer tourists, where in Bend, 40% of its visitors said visiting a brewery or doing the ale trail was something they did when they visited. We have a city that just launched the fourth ale trail in Oregon, in Eugene, with the Eugene Ale Trail. Hood River has a brewery for every 1,400 residents, and Portland has more breweries than any other city in the world. In addition to strengthening the local economy, Oregon's 161 brewing companies donated to community nonprofits in 2013, equaling $2.3 million. Retail sales of Oregon-made beer sold in the state totaled more than $400 million in 2013. In total, the brewing industry contributes $2.83 million dollars to the state's economy and employs roughly 29,000 people directly and indirectly. Currently, Oregon has 172 brewing companies operating 213 brewing facilities in 70 cities across the state. There are 21 in Bend, 30 in Central Oregon, 12 in Eugene, 55 in Portland, and 75 in the Portland metro area. More than 18% of the 2.8 million barrels of all beer, both bottled and draft, consumed in the state of Oregon were made in Oregon. For draft beer, that percentage is even higher, with Oregon breweries producing an estimated 53% of all draft beer consumed in Oregon. Outside the United States, Oregon breweries exported 19,500 barrels to 29 countries, including six Canadian provinces. Craft beer production in the U.S. grew 18% in 2013, and now represents 7.8% of the total volume of beer brewed in the United States. Wow. Incredible. I've always been a huge fan of Oregon craft beer, and now I, this proves why Oregon is a leader in the American craft beer movement. The last article I want to discuss 
is Ten Barrel Brewing Company Voluntary Swill Recall just announced. This was dated on August 1st. Ten Barrel Brewing Company is conducting a voluntary recall of swill in 12 and 22 ounce bottles. It has come to our attention that some of the product may be experiencing secondary fermentation in the bottle, causing overcarbonation. This consistency issue does not meet Ten Barrel Brewing's quality standards and, as a precaution, we are removing all inventory of swill from our wholesalers and retail shelves, and we are asking that consumers immediately dispose of any swill already purchased. Swill is brewed with a completely different process than any of our other beers, isolating the issue to only swill. This recall does not affect any of Tim Barrel's other products, and we're completely confident that all our other beers are of the highest quality. Consumers, if you have any swill in your home, please do not open it. Attempt to transport it or return it to your retail store. Dispose of the product by following these steps. First, before disposing of any bottles of swill, please put on protective gloves and eyewear. Second, place all remaining swill bottles in a closed box and place immediately in a secure dumpster or trash container outside. We take the utmost pride in producing an extremely high quality product and continuously strive for new and innovative beers to send to the consumer. Unfortunately, in this instance, despite a rigorous testing and brewing quality check process, we didn't hit the mark. If you drank swill in the past, there is absolutely no danger and nothing to worry about. We have a new beer coming out in a few weeks to replace it, so keep an eye out for something new in stores. A second article was posted as an update to this swill recall. It says, after two days of continuous testing, researching, and investigating by our entire team, including outside help, we have been able to discover the root cause of the issue. We used a unique and specific enzyme in the brewing process. That's purpose is to break down complex starch strains and in reinvigorate early fermentation in some of our sour beers. This enzyme is the cause of the issue we are having. It's important to note that there are no health concerns of this product. With this discovery comes an additional recall notice. This enzyme was also used in the first beer of our number series, a cherry tart named beer number one. Though this beer was brewed and sold a couple months ago, we fear that there is still some remaining in our beer cellars, refrigerators, and other storage areas. Please, if you still have beer number one, dispose of it the same method that we asked for the swill in the post below. Wow. Not only have I drank both those beers this year, I still have some swill in my beer fridge. Am I going to toss it? I don't think so. I think I'm going to drink it tonight. Well, it's time to raise your glass and give out a few toasts. First and foremost, a big cheers and thank you to all those who have listened to the first episode and provided feedback. I'm blown away at the response and the number of downloads shortly after the release. Thank you all for your support. A special toast to the podcasts and radio shows that aired my promo and had such positive praise and excitement for the show. Cheers to OFRCast, Platform Junkies, Gamer Husband Radio, the 40 cast and the Tyus non-cast live. A thank you to the Open Forum Radio Network for supporting the show and providing the hosting space at openforumradio.com. Please visit the site and find out all the great shows they have to offer, like the OFR cast discussing a multitude of topics in a fun and community-oriented fashion, the 40 cast, 
a podcast near and dear to my heart as a former longtime host. This show focuses on gaming, sports, and entertainment topics in a friendly roundtable format with alcohol involved. A fun time guaranteed. And Prove Your Point, a debate-centric podcast discussing current news and controversial topics. And I would like to extend a gracious welcome to Chris and Kelly Brown from the Married Gamers podcast on joining the Open Forum Radio Network community of podcasts. And being a former serviceman, I want to raise my glass and thank all those who have served and who are currently serving in the U.S. military services, protecting our freedoms. I hope those deployed are able to return home safely very soon. If you would like to contact the show, you can reach me through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tapthecraft or leave comments on the show post on openforradio.com or Google Plus. Just search for tapthecraft. You can follow me personally on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at Lucegrew, L-U-C-E-S-C-R-E-W, and Google Plus at Denny Luce. All right, it's last call and time to bring the show to a close. Thank you for downloading and listening to the show. I hope you were able to find something useful, and I welcome you to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. The frequency of the show is... An episode posted every two to four weeks. That's it for this episode. And remember, friends don't let friends drink light, yellow, fizzy beer. Quality craft beer can be enjoyed by all. So spread the word and convert the beer ignorant. <laughs>